I'm Nala Ayed, host of Ideas. In this age of clickbait and online shouting, Ideas is a meeting ground for people who want to deepen their understanding of the world. Join me as we crack open a concept to see how it plays out over place and time and how it matters today. From the rise of authoritarianism to the history of cult movies, no idea is off limits. Ideas is on the CBC Listen app or wherever you find your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Denis Villeneuve discovered the sci-fi novel Dune around the same time he got interested in filmmaking back when he was a teenager. So while he was making his movie adaptation, he says that his teenage self was right there alongside him. And he'll be here to tell you all about that. Denis Villeneuve coming up. I'm Tom Power. When I got to talk to the Canadian filmmaker Denis Villeneuve, I had a really interesting experience because we were there to talk about his new film uh, Dune. And I felt like while we were talking about Dune... We were already talking about a sequel, Dune 2. But with the writer strike going on, Dune 2, which was supposed to be released this November, is being pushed to 2024. And we got our fingers crossed for that. So we thought while we're waiting for that highly anticipated installment of the Dune saga, we could revisit my conversation with Denis Villeneuve. If you're not super familiar with him, he's a Canadian director. He's from Quebec. He's known for films like uh, Polytechnique and Incendies. Then there's his other uh, films like Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, which cemented his place in the sci-fi world. It has been a very big deal for Zanee being able to adapt the legendary sci-fi book Dune to film because, and I don't know if you know this, Dune is really hard to adapt. It's really hard to adapt to screen. I'm not going to say any names. We don't say any names. But a bunch of directors have tried it and, and it, and it didn't really work out. All this to say, it's a big deal that Denis has not only made one successful Dune film, but soon enough, you're going to get a chance to see the second one. You just hopefully got to wait a few more months. I spoke with Denis Villeneuve when his first installment of Dune made its North American premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival back in 2021. Here's our conversation. So you were 13 or 14 years old or something like that, from what I read, when you first came across the book. Yeah, it's a, it's a, at the time I was like a, a teenager that uh, I was kind of uh, into sci-fi. I'm try- I was uh, reading everything that uh, I could f- found at the time. And I, uh, by total coincidence, I, I, I found this in a bookstore uh, and I felt, felt in love and spontaneously with it. I mean, there's uh, something about the journey of the main character, Paul Atreides, um, his feeling of isolation, uh, uh, we was struggling uh, with the burden of, uh, of his heritage, family heritage, genetic heritage, political heritage, uh, uh, climatic heritage, all, all this, this weight on his shoulder. And, and uh, then finally being able to find freedom uh, through, uh, uh, the, through the contact with another culture. That uh, at the time, this idea that uh, the we was curious and excited about meeting uh, people from another planet and, and, and uh, th- this intuition that uh, he could uh, eventually uh, fulfill a part of his identity. I don't know how to say that in English, but that, yeah. that, that gets, gets, uh, finally uh, gets closer to, to the true self, uh, through this other culture. I thought was a beautiful idea. And, and, uh, but it's a novel that has a lot of layers. Eh? And, it's, and uh, it's a kind of novel that as the more you read it at different ages, you always, you always find something new. It's, it's a really a, a rich uh, and dense book. What do you think it was about you? back then that it appealed to you? 
uh, that feeling of uh, that deep melancholia, that feeling of isolation and that uh, attraction to uh, massive white spaces and, and foreign cultures. There, there was something about that that struck me at the time. Later on, I will say that it's the idea that, the idea that um, in order to get free, you have to deal with the inner voices that are the ghosts coming from the past and talking about the genetic heritage or the, the education that you received and the, and the way that uh, this uh, trap your subconscious and uh, put, put uh, limits in your, in your uh, freedom uh, uh, in everyday life, the way uh, you make decisions or, uh, are affected by, by uh, those uh, inner, inner forces that uh, out can you get rid of those forces and become free? And that's something that uh, really uh, impressed me at the time. Did you have any aspirations to adapt it? <laughs> we'll say that at the time when I, I discovered the book, it was in the same time that I, I was like uh, discovering the what it is, what what's the work of a filmmaker. I was getting more and more interested about what happened behind the camera. So it, there's a kind of coincidence between the... Uh, discovering Dune and, and starting to dream of uh, making films. And I remember with a, a very good friend of mine, uh, my best friend, uh, in fact, that uh, still uh, he lives in uh, Toronto today, Nicolas Kadima, uh, we were drawing storyboards or, or images of what could be a new movie at the time, but that was like a. Uh, it was just like we were big dreamers and, and it was like uh, just like a fantasy, but uh, uh, it took me a while before I thought that I could one day bring this movie to the screen. I wouldn't normally talk about it. And I know that uh, fortune, we say back home, I don't know if you say it, but, but fortune favors the bold. Like we are, we are nothing without taking risks, mm -hmm. right? Especially in art. Art is nothing if not taking risks. But this, I, I mean, I had never seen the er, earlier Dune films. I hadn't read the books. I had no knowledge of except, you know, the fear is the mind killer line. And even I knew that people saw this as a challenge to adapt. Mm -hmm. Were you apprehensive at all when it finally came your way? Um, I was apprehensive to that. My, my fear was to not be able to please that teenager that uh, dreamed so big at the time, because uh, the, the idea that when I, I decided to make this movie, I said to myself that uh, I wanted to, um, in the past, I did adult movies, meaning that movies for, uh, because the movie were too dark or too violent, my movies were all rated R. <laughs> but this, this was the, the first time that I will, uh, uh, I decided to make it for a PG-13, meaning that it will be a movie that will be, the younger audience will be uh, acceptable for, uh, and uh, suitable for a younger audience. Is, is that a challenge? Is that, a, is that that's... No, but I will explain it. The thing is that uh, I did that because uh, I, I wanted uh, young people to, to experience what I had, uh, the experience I had when I discovered the book at, at 13 or 14 years old. The idea was then uh, to try to get back in contact with this part of me that read the book, that uh, was so, that part of me that was so arrogant and pretentious and, and totalitarian and a, so, such a big dreamer uh, when I was a teenager. And uh, in order to respect the images that, that came to my mind at that time, and that to try, like an archaeologist, to dig and bring those images back to the surface. That was a big challenge because it, it, it's like, um, as the composer of the movie, Hans Zimmer, told me once when at the beginning, he, said, he, said, he asked me a question, he said, is it 
really a good idea to tackle your one to try to bring to the screen one of your, one of your oldest dream the one of the ultimate fantasy you know is it is it is it a good idea well, why wouldn't it be a good idea because you can just be uh, uh, it, it can just be disappointing <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's like a, a, a impossible task to 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 bring to life uh, uh, something that has been so close to, to, so close to your art and and your and soul and that uh, uh, that you dream for 40 years is, is it are you bound to fail you know it's like uh, so i will say that I, i i thought a lot about it but the, the the that was the big challenge to try to please the hardcore dune fan i was yeah what made it worth it Every time someone asks me what was my uh, uh, one of my biggest dreams in cinema, I always answer to adapt Dune. And um, every time I open the book, it every time brings that deep, pure joy, uh, that, that deep inspiration. Uh, and um, um, I, it's we have one life and and uh, and uh, to to live. And and I, I felt that. Um, Um, I couldn't. I couldn't say no to such a, a challenge. When I do movies, I um, try to put all my chips on the table. I, I love to take to take risk. I love to push myself as much as possible. I lo I love to jump and without having any net uh, to <laughs> say no. But seriously, it's like art. Uh, you have to take risk in order, in order to in order to create and this for me was like kind of challenge as i was ready to to take and um it's just it's the, i have too much love for the book it's like uh I, yeah i could not i would have ate myself all my life if i if i had not tried it what um where do you think that comes from in wanting to jump without the net Artistically, I must say. No, I, I, I right, of course. No, yeah, we don't have anything set up outside the door or anything like that, you know. Um, no, it's a, it's um, linked with the way creativity creativity works for. I think for everybody, by the way, it's like. Uh, frankly, I don't want to to talk about myself, to, to, but I will say that uh, I'm an anxious human being. Yeah. Say I'm I'm not like uh, any. But when it comes to cinema, there's something about. Uh, a, a, a certainty uh, like um, I just see what I need to do and, and uh, it's clear the path is clear for me so when I, I, I decided to do Dune I said uh, I didn't thought about a second about what has been made before I, I, um, I just focused on the book kept the words of Frank Herbert very close to me uh, the book was my bible I, I, uh, I refer to it constantly as I, I was shooting all the answers were in the book Was it and the same copy you had when you were a kid, or was it? I, I, uh, okay. I I'll say there's, there's like uh, the book is in uh, two parts. Yeah. So um, the second part is the original. The first part I had to find it back again because the original one I gave it to a, a girl I was in love with uh, at high school, and I never found it back. <laughs> I should not say that. <laughs> it's not interesting, <laughs> but uh, it's somewhere. But 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 I have the original uh, edition. Yeah, that's going to yeah. be on eBay now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. <laughs> Saying you know you focused on the book, you focused on um, Frank Herbert's words, and, and to adapt that. I thought a little bit about this because last time you and I spoke was for Blade Runner 2049 and I asked you, um, were you talking to Ridley Scott? And you said, yes. You said it was important that I reached out to him and I talked to him a little bit about the film. And all I could think was you didn't have that. Frank Herbert's not with us. You didn't mm -hmm. have that in this case. 
Did you miss having that that sort of advice? That yeah, permission. Yeah, the thing, the thing is that uh, uh, I have, a, I, have a, I think, a very good relationship with with his, his son Brian, that uh, is the take care of the estate. Um, but of course, I would have loved to have like uh, an input and a, and a direct uh, contact with uh, Frank Herbert. Is uh, for me, is a is a god. I will add. Uh, I think that when you adapt. You need total freedom, and uh, the movie is my take on the book, and and I try to respect and to be as close as the possible to the poetry and the, the ideas and the atmosphere in the book. Uh, my dream, and that's what I said to my team, I would love that uh, our ad adaptation being a, an act of humility, meaning that I want the audience that know the book to feel that I we put a camera in their mind, you know, as they were reading the book. It's like it's very pretentious, but that's the mm -hmm. goal. It's that to really be as to be as close to the the um, the book as possible. And and um, but um, <laughs> I had to change things in order to make it uh, cinematic. And you you made you made other changes as well. You know, one of the one of the big changes that I saw being remarked upon was uh, perhaps a greater depth of the female characters in this adaptation. Do, do you know what I'm talking about there? But the thing is that uh, uh, the death and, and the, the beauty of the characters are in the novel. It's just that uh, I, I focus on, on these characters. And, and uh, in order to be, be able to bring this, this adaptation to the screen, I had to make choices. Uh, the book is so rich that uh, it's like an incredible landscape. And, and I had to make precise choices in order to bring the story to, to the screen. And one of them was... Uh, uh, to focus on on the female characters, uh, to and the femininity aspect of the novel, which I thought were one of the beautiful quality of it, and uh, elements that I uh, and character that I really loved, uh, were my favorite characters in, in in the novel. So that's why I, um, uh, me and the screenwriters, we uh, right from the start, it was the first thing I said to to Eric Roth, who was the first one who put his hands on the keyboard. I said, uh, you have to focus on the, the women. I can't imagine, I mean, that was such an alluring part of the film. Those characters are so rich in mm. this film. I, I can't imagine them not being front and center, you know? Uh, 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 Lady Jessica, uh, Paul Atreides' mother, is, is uh, uh, very central to the story. But uh, uh, I think that uh, the movie really focuses on their relationship. Uh, it's something that could have been put aside a little bit. And, uh, but for me, it was very, very, very central. Uh, uh, in the, the novel, you follow different characters, and in this one, I really um, focus on the main character, which is Paul Atreides, of course. But m more importantly, with the, 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 his relationship with his parents, and more precisely with his mother, that goes through with him through the journey. Could you have made this film without making Arrival or Blade Runner? Uh, no, it's and the. I'm the product of uh, my experiences, and I, I knew that uh, I would be able to tackle the, the, this challenge because of, uh, of uh, Arrival, uh, Sicario, uh, well, all my past brought me to do this project. You know, it's like uh, the accumulation of uh, experience. Uh, I did Dune when I, I, I knew I had uh, enough control over the tools. Yeah, yeah, help me understand that a little bit better. I, I don't I don't make films, right? So, like, what what would you have taken from each of those experiences that lead you here? But for example, uh, Arrival. It was the first time that I was dealing with uh, a certain amount of visual effects, and yeah. and, uh, and that uh, that I had to experiment how to blend uh, uh, visual effects into reality. 
uh, it was my first time that I was really uh, had to do a little bit of design to, to create a, elements of a new world. Um, then when I went to do Blade Runner, then it was like not just like sm- some elements. I had to create a full world, and 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 that was of course deeply inspired by Ridley Scott. So it was like taking the, but still I had to 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 design a, a city, buildings, architecture, the, the tons of detail, the technology, the clothes. You have to when you do sci-fi, it's like you become a, the master of a of an old universe, and again going through the process of creating visual effects that uh, uh, will be as real as possible. I mean, what's what's consistent to me in all these things is, and I said this to you before we started rolling, and I'll I'll say it to you again, is that I've watched, I'm not going to say any names of these films, but I've I've watched films where I feel like the grandness of the... I have a friend of mine who said to me one time, he said, I just don't want to read any book that has a map, man. You know, like, I don't want to read any book that has a map at the beginning of it. I don't know if I agree with that, but... I sometimes I watch films and I can get I feel like I can get so lost in just the scale and there's all these different villages and there's all these different paths and the and the world is so big it feels like the world itself is the story as opposed to the story. Mm-hmm. But what you managed to do in Arrival and, and Blade Runner and and definitely in Dune was you were really able to tell what is truly just a story between a couple of people on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yes, yes. But that for me, that that's the book. It's like uh, Dune is a very, very intimate uh, uh, um, journey of a, of a character, Paul Atreides, and it's like uh, um, we are following him, him uh, very closely. We are have, we have in the book the directly access to his thought and and uh, the way he perceives things and his strategies to survive. And and uh, I tried to keep that quality. That for me, it, that was my focus to protect the intimacy of the the, the, the story. Um, the rest, uh, the the scope and it's something that's easier to do technically it's like uh, uh from the, the the challenge for me was to make sure that the story from a dramatic and a human point of view was accurate and 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 uh, um, meaningful we'll be right back one of the best shows of the year according to apple amazon and time is back for another round This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to Season 2 of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q, and you're in the middle of my conversation with uh, the Canadian filmmaker, Cindy Villeneuve. I find that filmmakers, directors in particular, more than actors, have an interesting relationship with awards. I never know whether they're motivated by them or when they say they're not motivated by them, whether or not they might not be telling me the truth. But I wanted to put it to Zinni how he feels about awards. And I have to say, his answer kind of caught me off guard. Here's more of my conversation with Zinni Villeneuve. I will be honest with you. When you're a young filmmaker and you want, uh, uh, that's the thing, you want to exist yeah. and you want to define your identity and you want to win awards. <laughs> that's the truth. When you start, no, you, really? want, you, want, you want, no, but the thing is that it's like uh, 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 you want to, uh, um, you want to 
to put your flag into the landscape of cinema. You want you want to exist, and a way to exist is to go to film festival or win awards, and you want to. And, and which is uh, the wrong way to do things. I, 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 and were you I'm like not, that too? That was you but, too. But, yeah. but when I was like a young, uh, I was very arrogant and pretentious, and uh, and and I stopped making movies because I I I, felt, I, I uh, realized that I was heading in the wrong way, and that that was if if I had stayed with that 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 in mind, I would have died as a director several years ago. I'm not making movies to win awards anymore since a long time. But but uh, it's like uh, at the time when I was young, yeah. You, you, you were dreaming about uh, Academy Awards or uh, Palme d'Or. It's what that that was the way to to exist. You know, now today I I, uh, I make movies for total different reasons. Yeah, I, but I love that. I love that. Like the closer you actually get to it, and the closer you get to the possibility of these things, the less you care about it. That's that's interesting to me. But the thing is that uh, you don't have. You have no control over that. I mean, to make movies to, in order to try to get awards is very sterile. Is it the, the yeah, way yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 uh, it will be the ridiculous uh, way to for me. It's, uh, it's uh, the act of of cinema right now for me is, is uh, what happens with the, the with the camera and the actors and actresses and it's, it's, but the result. I uh, made peace with the fact that I have no control about how people will perceive uh, uh, my work. You know, it's like the only thing I can control is uh, how I uh, evolve as a, a, a filmmaker through each movie. Yeah. Well, maybe this is the way I'll, I'll close things off. Um, you know, I, I'm just going back to the very beginning when you were talking to me about, you know, who you were. This I love that you said it was this pretentious kid, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this pretentious totalitarian kid is what yeah. you told me. And then I said, you know, were you, were you apprehensive about, because there was all these, you know, these other versions of Dune made, which we don't have to get into. And, and you were like, I didn't really care about that. I just cared about my young self, making yeah, this yeah. film for my young self. So what do you think young Denis Villeneuve in the video store would think of this film? Honestly, uh, um, I, w- I would say, he would say not bad, not bad. Because there's moments in the movie that are very close to that spirit. And every time, frankly, it brings tears in my eyes because it's the first time that this part of myself was able to express it, itself. And, and, uh, and uh, it's like a, a freedom to finally be honest <laughs> that I, I, I deeply loved. You know, I was born watching those movies when I was young, that kind of movies. And, 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 uh, and uh, it just brought a deep, deep joy into me to be able to do that once in my life if if you were saying me someone was coming inside the studio saying okay that's enough no more movies for you you did it and it's and it cinema is over my first feeling would be gratitude <laughs> because i will say that was a a, a ride i i I, uh, I was i feel so blessed that i had the chance to at least one time in my life went into that zone of, of uh, and yeah i love and, that so, yeah. I, you know, I, I, the, the entire time we've been talking, I've been thinking, how how the hell is he going to make another movie after this? You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's, I, and technically, the problem is that uh, I, I painted myself in a corner. I did half of it. I did half of, of a big movie. I did Dune Part 1, and I need to do the second part now. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll do it. I can't wait to see it. Um, I'm looking forward to having you back when it happens, and always nice to talk to you. Thanks for coming in. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Spoiler alert, Dune 2 is coming out, or Dune Part 2. Its release date has been pushed to 2024. You just heard my conversation with the award-winning and Oscar-nominated director, Denis Villeneuve, from 2021, when his first installment of Dune made its North American premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. 
That is it for the show today. Um, thanks a lot for streaming or downloading or uh, however you got this. If you're not already subscribed to our podcast, uh, I would love for you to do so. And if you, I had someone reach out to me the other day and say, Tom, I don't know how to subscribe to a podcast. I get it. It's, it's drop me a line on Instagram. I'm at Tom Joe Power, and I'll, I'll hook you up. Uh, and you know, I think about making a little video about it in the, in the next little while too. Uh, the other conversation we put up today is one of our favorites of the year. It's my chat with the legendary songwriter Paul Simon from his home in Austin, Texas. Uh, Paul Simon is 81 now, and this is someone who is famously uh, not reflective, and he doesn't give much of himself introspection-wise in interviews. Well, in our conversation, he really opened up about his new album. He really opened up about um, his faith, his belief or lack thereof, and how he's feeling as he gets older around uh, mortality. Go check that out wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.